0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another thoroughly disgusted episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers back up their thrilling win over Iowa with an inexcusable 74-70 home loss to Rutgers, a game that snapped Rutgers' five-game losing streak, a game in which Indiana actually hit 10 three-pointers, and yet somehow found a way to lose at home. I believe I heard that this was Rutgers' first ever win at Assembly Hall. Isn't that fitting? The loss drops Indiana to 9-7 and overall, 4-5 and in conference play, and pretty much fritters away all of the good feelings that we had after Indiana went on the road and beat Iowa. And, you know, as we're going to talk about today, this is a game that really falls squarely on the shoulders of two people, I think, and that's Trace Jackson Davis and Archie Miller. Trace Jackson Davis... Had one of his worst performances in a game where Indiana got some good performances from other guys who don't normally step up. Trace was non existent for most of the day. And on the side of Archie Miller, Indiana just wasn't ready to play. You know, last season, Indiana won four games over top 25 teams. Every time out the next time, they lost to a team that was not as good as the team that they had beaten previously. And we were hoping that it might be a little bit different. It wasn't a predictable loss for the Hoosiers in such a dispiriting and disappointing way. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni, Andy Bottoms, and we weren't sure if Ryan Phillips was going to show up, but sure enough, when a rant is needed, Ryan is here to provide it. Uh, So let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And for the banner moment today, I'm actually going to go back uh, to about the midway point through the second half. Rookers was ahead 55-41 to and really looked like they were about to run away with this thing. Uh, In firm control of the game, and Christian Lander stepped up and knocked down a three pointer after some nice hustle by Jordan Geronimo to get an offensive rebound. You know, and it, it was a, a three pointer Lander hit. He made it from the right corner. He had taken a shot a couple possessions before, a long two, and just missed it long, but he shot it confidently. And I thought to myself, you know what? His next shot's going in because that shot was online. That's the best sh- his shot has looked in a long time. Sure enough, he knocked down that three. He would knock down another one later on. And it was the first time that Christian Lander has really given this team a spark. And Indiana really needed it at that point. So we're going to talk about all the bad from this game. And there was a lot of bad. But there is a significant glimmer of hope if today was a sign of some things to come from Christian Lander. That the defensive improvement that we've seen over the last two games, which... In a lot of ways, continue today. He had a couple rough defensive possessions, but also had a couple nice jobs bodying up young in the lane. And he was much more solid, not the sieve that he's been, but that combined with actually providing some production on offense. We talked so much in the offseason about how his development would be the biggest thing for this season. You know, here we are, late January. Maybe he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Who knows? Maybe this is a one game thing also. We won't know. But if it's a sign of things to come, that is a huge development on an otherwise, you know, pretty, pretty worthless afternoon for Indiana. That is one thing we may be able to take from this game that we can carry forward. Also, a great hustle by Jordan Geronimo. You know, and I don't know, on a day when Indiana just couldn't get to loose balls, wasn't tough enough, maybe having Jordan Geronimo out there a little bit more to get some loose balls and provide some toughness would have helped. But he didn't really get the chance to do it, and Indiana ends up losing. And here we are, another angry post-game show. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, now in their fourth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call. And with winter here and hoodie weather officially arrived, you need to make your way over to their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have something unique for everyone, especially IU fans, and all of their apparel is printed on the softest, warmest, most comfortable and washable materials that you will find anywhere. Yesterday, I was in my crew neck, Indiana Hoosiers. The the shoes logo, I was in that sweater all day long. The day before that, I was wearing my assembly call, uh, the the uh, oatmeal-colored hoodie. I had that on the whole day. So pretty much every day uh, is a Home Field apparel day, and it should be for you too. And remember, it's not just IU gear. Home Field has apparel for more than 90 different colleges and universities with new ones being added all the time. And their designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that, you know, you may end up like Coach and Andy, pretty much just buy shirts and hoodies for schools you've barely heard of just because you like the design. And you can always save on your Home Field order by using the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. It will give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart, and enter ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's homefieldapparel.com. All righty. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Ryan has demanded the mic first, and so we will give it to him on a day that definitely deserves a rant. Ryan,
1: the floor is yours. Rutgers hadn't won since December, and Indiana. I, I, let's let's be real what this was. It was about effort and intensity and focus. That's yeah. all it was. This wasn't a skill thing where Rutgers just had a ridiculous game. Indiana wasn't focused. They read their plus press clippings after the Iowa win about how great their defense is, came back home, and then didn't play defense and didn't show effort. I mean, how many times did they get beaten to loose balls to easy rebounds that they had to have? You know, I mean, things like four got three guys going up for a rebound, the ball bouncing off right into a Rutgers player's hand. I mean, this is just it's, it, I mean, it's the story of Archie Miller's tenure. It's, it's one step forward. You make a great win at Iowa and take two massive steps back against Rutgers, and now you're back in the hole. You're no better off than you were before the Iowa win. And, and it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And the, the problem is, and we're going to put this, we're going to call people out. This is on the upperclassmen. Al Durham played horrible. Rob Finnessy, who won the game ball at Iowa and played maybe the best game of his Indiana career, awful today. He was minus 13, no effort, no intensity, just was content to just pass the ball around the perimeter. I, you know, he, he carved in a few times early and then with the ball, and then just wanted to wander around the perimeter. And then the other guy we're going to call out is trace Jackson Davis. This was quite possibly his worst performances in Indiana Hoosier, given the circumstances, given that you needed to back up that Iowa win and you were playing a bad team that you need to beat at home if this happens at Rutgers you say well it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten no you don't do this at home and he came out and he was soft on both ends of the floor Trace you want to be an NBA player guess what scouts are looking at this video and they're going to pick you apart because there was no effort no intensity just no pride on either end for a lot of these guys Indiana was at its worst when Durham Franklin and Jack and Trace were on the floor I mean a week ago, if you had said that, you'd think and, and you'd think it, it, it was crazy. But guess what? These guys just showed no effort and no heart. There was no heart in that game. None whatsoever. And the guys who came out and played well and showed heart were Anthony Leo, Christian Lander, and Jordan Geronimo. When and, and, and I'll give Race Thompson some credit too. I think I thought he took a dumb shot at the end, but other than that, at least he was trying to play hard. Nobody else brought any effort and I'm putting that on the coaches as well as Jared said they were not ready to play they were not ready to play they got they got beat down early and then sort of staunch the bleeding and at the end of the first half they started giving up easy baskets again this is every time they get within about three they'd start to make stupid plays there was there was one point where they had back-to-back possessions down three a chance to cut into the lead and all the momentum of the world and they just gave the ball away uh, Armand Franklin tries to go over the top to, uh, uh, he gets a rebound, great rebound starts moving the ball up the floor. You've got all the momentum in the world. All the momentum is behind you. And he tries to throw a full court pass to Jordan Geronimo, who wasn't open and throws it directly out of bounds. Same mistake he made against Iowa. When he tried to go full court to trace Jackson Davis, when you don't need to make that play in that situation, bring it down, run some offense and get the ball to your post player. Or, 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 or reverse it. You're hitting threes today for some reason. Hit a three. Do something. You've got ruckers on your heels. Instead, you throw it directly out of bounds. Next time down, you know, and then there was a time down where Anthony Leal tried to throw into the post and Trace Jackson Davis didn't seal his man. Simple thing. He does all the time. Didn't seal his man. There was no effort from Trace to post and repost today. He would come down, get in position. If he didn't get the ball, he'd just wander around the, the paint, not trying to repost. he go set a screen, do a soft cut into the middle. He wasn't looking for the ball. And you know what? You want to have pride in yourself. You want to win games. You want to get over, as he's talked about, I want to win these games. I want to get over the things we've been doing in the past and be better now. Well, you got to play better than that. And so if you want to put this on people, you put it on the upperclassmen, you put it on your team leader, Trace Jackson Davis, who none of whom came to play today. And so I, you know, I blame Archie Miller as well. Of course, the staff, these guys were not ready to go. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing as a fan to watch all day. Just watch Rutgers of all teams carve you up and earn their first victory ever at Assembly Hall. You wanted this team to be different trace jackson davis well they are they're the first indiana team to ever lose against rutgers at home so there you go you're different now i i just i'm I'm sorry i i can't sit here and and sugarcoat anything from today they they got it down close at the end and what they do they're within two scores and they're just wandering through offensive possessions there's no plan they're just wandering around the perimeter. Nobody wants to grab the ball, grab the initiative and take the shot. They're just passing it off to the next guy. It was like hot potato. Rob Finnessy, your junior point guard captain gets the ball and immediately looks for somebody to give it to Armand Franklin takes it and dribbles and shoots a fadeaway 17 footer. Like that's your offense late when you got to score baskets. That's on the coaching staff and the players, but largely it's on the guys who didn't come to play today. And there were plenty of them. And you know what? It's just, it's disappointing because they had a chance to really do something after beating Iowa. And. They did really do something, which was a whole lot of nothing. So now we're back at square one. They're not going to play for another week. Maybe they come out and win one there, but do we have any confidence that they're going to win the next game against was it Illinois and then follow that up with another win? No, we don't, because this is what they do: they win a big game and then fall off a cliff, and and that's what we've been dealing with for four years. So no, 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 you know thoughts in my mind that it's ever going to change because this is just what we've come to expect. So. Good job uh, with the uh, no effort today, boys. Uh, Hope you have a nice week off.
0: Well said, Ryan. Hey, on the bright side, we've kind of hit rock bottom again, which means a good performance may be coming next game.
1: Yeah, and we'll like beef ourselves (laughs) up and then all of a sudden jump off another cliff and hit another new low. (laughs) To be fair, uh, anybody who listened to the
0: last show will remember that we kept couching everything on the Iowa analysis with... But we have to see what they do the how next do you, game. But we have to see, and here we saw. How
1: so. do you follow it up? That's that's the key to everything. How do you follow it up? Do you follow up a bad loss with a good win? Oh, they did. How do you follow up that good win? Do you build on it? Nope. Jump right off that cliff again and make some A-hole from San Diego yell at you on the radio. So uh, that's just you know, that's where we are, and that's where we're going to be for a while. I don't see this. I don't foresee this changing and getting all of a sudden getting way better anytime soon. We've had four years to deal with this.
0: All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Enjoy your football Sunday, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. All right. Yeah, well, after everybody. that, enjoy <laughs> enjoying
1: breaking this down. By the way, it's Have gonna fun. be a, it's
0: gonna be a real pleasure. All right. Uh, after that uplifting uh, segment there from Ryan Phillips, let's go over to Andy Bottoms. Andy, your Bottoms line uh, on this disappointing Indiana loss.
2: Yeah, I don't I I don't know that Rob played all that all that well, but I didn't think he was probably in the same category as the others. I know Ryan kind of singled him out. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure, but. Uh, you know, for me, this was in the same sense that the team seemed to kind of let down after they got the momentum from from beating Iowa. They did the same thing in a lot of different situations during this game, and I think that was, you know, when I look back, just so many little plays here and there that they didn't make. I texted you guys about this even at halftime, where you know there's a loose ball in the corner. Al seems to have it. Let somebody wrestle it away from him. Give you give up a lob. You get that dunk from TJD to end the half, and then you you come back and you give up a, you give up a layup on a, on a putback where you just didn't block somebody out at the end of the half. And then you come out in the second half and dig yourself a hole by turning the ball over five straight times in the first six possessions and, and, and not playing good enough defense and, and letting them build a, a lead like that. But even in the end, as bad as you played for the majority of the game, you put yourself in positions where you had the ball with chances to keep the momentum and then just made silly decisions. You know, they had those back-to-back putback dunks from Trace and, and Jordan Geronimo. That was when Armand made the play where he tread through the full court pass that Ryan talked about. But you get another stop. You come back down. TJD goes in, gets blocked again. Then you give up a three on the other end. You get bailed out by a taunting call, which I thought was fairly lame, but it did benefit IU. You end up with a five-point possession there by making the free throws uh, and a three. But then you come back after that, and you give up a wide open layup on an inbounds play, where it's just a total breakdown defensively. Um, and it, you know, then Armand, you get a you get another three back, you get a stop, and you get the ball back, turn it over again. Just so many times where they had opportunities and just couldn't string together enough smart plays to to really get over the hump. And I think had you been able to get back and tie the game at some point, then you put that pressure back on Rutgers, where it's the here we go again, we're losing, but. Iu just shot themselves in the foot so many times over the course of the game, when they had chances to make momentum, despite some really really bad stretches of play, particularly on the defensive end, and just couldn't just couldn't do it. And in the same way, they couldn't build on the success of the Iowa game from game to game. They couldn't build on successes they had within the game. And at some point, to, to what you said, you know, the way we were. Certainly excited about the Iowa win, but reserved in terms of what that meant for the future, like a game like this shows you why both outside, of the, like both game to game and within the game. And that to me is what's frustrating is just the kind of lack of growth, maturity, whatever you want to attribute that to that doesn't allow you to, uh, to build on those kinds of successes.
0: Coach, your thoughts on this game? Are we, uh, is our initial reaction too harsh?
3: No, when you lose, it's not good. I mean, you play to win the game. Um, Well, you had
2: 20 minutes while Ryan talked to process it, so I thought maybe, you know.
3: I think to be fair, um, you know – a, a wounded dog or animal backed into a corner is always dangerous. And, and I was worried about Rutgers today. They were ranked 11th at one time. So I don't take Ryan's with Rutgers thing. The big 10 is huge. And I just, I don't agree with that. I think that's just looking at Indiana in a prism uh, that, you know, we won banners and we should beat anyone who's, you know, not named Indiana. Um, I don't think that's fair. Uh, that being said, it was all about edge today. And, and Rutgers having lost five in a row, on the verge of being out of the tournament, uh, you know, some people had them in, some people had them falling out of the tournament. This was a must win for them and a chance to get one. And they played like it. Um, and Indiana didn't match that edge. And, and it was mentioned in Ryan's rant and, and Andy's, uh, uh, bottom line there that there were, there were enough possessions in a four point game where you didn't match that edge. And the, and the frustrating thing is trying to figure out why, uh, Indiana plays better on the road this year. Um, all of their better performances have come on the road. They've had two wins. They played well in Asheville. Um, you know, Florida State's looking like they're going to win the ACC. Took that game into overtime. They play better uh, on the road than they do at home. That's the disappointing thing. Um, and yet, they beat a Maryland team at home who's gone on the road, and they're 3-6 and six in the Big Ten, and everyone thinks Maryland's bad and we should have blown them out by 20, and Maryland's beaten three ranked teams on the road. Uh, so – yeah, there's a lot. We'll point out that Indiana should have won this game, and there's no reason that uh, for, for the loss, to be honest. Um, but we also got to be realistic and look at the Big Ten is absolutely brutal. Uh, and every game, you have to bring that edge. You can't relax at all. I thought our guys relaxed a little bit uh, over the course of the game. I, I don't think they didn't play hard. I, I thought that when, when they don't play well, it's lack of awareness more than it is not playing hard. I mean, they're diving on the floor. The, they had bench energy, but the awareness on um, there was a, a fast break putback by uh, TJD. Doesn't run back hard. He, he's not aware that he can still make an effort on that play. Uh, Jerome Hunter, um, I, I think at least fifteen to eighteen points because of his uh, lack of awareness of switching, which I know has been practiced, and I know that was the game plan. Um, but when 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 you ha- when you don't have an edge your awareness drops, and when the other team has an edge, they're going to find and take advantage of that awareness. That's the basketball X and O's of why this game happened. It's not sugarcoating anything. Indiana has to be better. Um, But if you don't have an edge and play up to your standards every game, the Big Ten's going to smack you, Um, and it doesn't matter who's there. So you could throw out all of the standards. Oh, it's Rutgers. Oh, it's uh, Nebraska. Oh, it's Northwestern. The Big Ten is brutal, game in and game out. And you saw yesterday: Minnesota loses at home, Wisconsin loses at home. Uh, the home court advantage in the Big Ten is gone with this COVID thing. Um, should it be? That's, we could debate that. Um, it obviously is gone for the Hoosiers because they just don't play well at home right now, um, and that's on the whole program. That, yeah, I mean, that's my take: is that there was enough good today to win the game, and there was enough bad to lose the game, uh, and, and why they why they play. Poorly, uh, more poorly at home to lose these games or have to win games in overtime. It's just a softness, uh, a mental softness and lack of edge, uh, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there I think,
0: were, I,
2: look, go, go, Andy. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think for me, just to go on that, I think that softness or edge or whatever you want to say is you play a team like Iowa that makes things easier for you than they might normally be, at least relative to what you'd expect. You allow you know, you get some confidence, you go through that, you you start to play well, that carries over Rutgers, no matter how bad they've played over these other games and, and they haven't they haven't necessarily played well, but there's a, a physical nature to what they do and an aggressiveness that they do where they really made it a point to come out and be the aggressor. And I thought IU backed down from that in a lot of cases. I thought TJD got his correct. first two shots yep. blocked and I felt like he then was reluctant to go after them. So to me, that's yeah, Rutgers isn't is as bad as their record would indicate. And and IU probably wasn't, you know, like we said after the game, IU probably wasn't as good as they looked at Iowa, but Iowa allowed IU to gain confidence, and Rutgers never did. And on the flip yeah. side of that, you have a team coming in that's lost a bunch of games in a row. If you really come out and play well, and I was I was the first defensive possession from IU was really, really good. Super active. And then it was like, well, we got one stop. And then they, they let him score in six straight possessions. So you let a team that's coming yeah. in without confidence, without whatever, be the aggressor, get the ball wherever they wanted for the most part. Tons of shots right by the basket because of either switching and you know coverages and guys not being in the right spot, a lot of open threes that you gave up because guys are late closing out or getting hung up different places. And to me, IU did to Rutgers what Iowa did to IU on whatever night that was, Thursday night, and let them get comfortable, let them build confidence. And then we're never able to really seize it back.
3: Andy, you're so right with the physical. Uh, Rutgers is known for defense. They they have been, which has been the build, right? And and why you know the only bright spot we could look at this season is maybe a, a better defense. But um, they came out and were physical. They were switching. And what did our guards do? They got passive. Um, so the ball, you know, TJD, passive, bad angles, trying to go through people instead of going around people. Uh, wasn't posting hard, wasn't holding seals. So when the balls got thrown into him, the defenders got around him and knocked him away for turnovers. Um, you know, so the physical nature and the switching pushed our offense out a- and you needed a North south guy and we've said that from day one we don't have a north south guy i'm not sure even if we did with two post players hogging the lane and and a bunch of people in lane that would even work as well but that's why lander was better today because lander posed a threat of beating people off the dribble um and and i really can't wait to talk about about lander because you know you gotta it it is our team you gotta find some positives um in, in a horrible day um but lander if he can start guarding like he did today and he wasn't perfect but he can give that, I'm going to beat you north-south, and I'm going to jab-step you and pull up and hit a three, which our other guards don't. So it was a combination of our guards got taken out of throwing the ball in. And there was one point, gentlemen, um, it was 22-16, and there's a timeout. Ball went to TJD, ball went to TJD, ball went to TJD, ball went to race in the lane four times after a timeout. And I'm just as disappointed in Coach Miller as anyone else too, but there's a timeout saying get the ball inside. Then all of a sudden – uh they got back to the players and then it got um a turnover uh a miss two by a, t- a TJD but then threes and threes and threes and, mm-hmm. and late shot clocks there at the end of the first uh half because um they allowed that pressure to to back up and and if you need to call timeouts where it's not like football where you can have an offensive coordinator and you see what the defense is doing and you can send it in and play players have to play during the game and make make decisions within the game uh, and, and again, the coach's job is to make sure practice is tough enough to so where they can make them. So it's on everybody. But, you know, the, it was just, you're absolutely right. The physical nature and the heart and desire of Rutgers just smacked us. Uh, and, and we've shown a history with this group of guys that when we get smacked, we, we don't necessarily respond right away. Uh, and I will say this. they did fight down towards the end because I thought it was it was out of it, out of reach, and they fought back to make it a one possession game. But um, yeah, the issue is you, all just all you just never get there you know, that, that, and, and that right there that right Absolutely. there is a microcosm of this program. You know, it's like,
0: okay, we got down fourteen, and now we're now we're going. You know, we dropped to three and four in the conference, and now we're going to uncork a great performance in Iowa City. You know that's what seems to happen. I tweeted midway through the second half. You know, Archie needs to give the rock bottom speech. We've seen it so many times, you know, this team falls down, they play desperate, and they play better. But that's how you have to play when your formula to win is tough defense, being tough inside on two-pointers on two pointers and getting to the free-throw line. That's how you have to play, clearly, because you can hit 10 three-pointers out of 16 attempts and still lose. And so, you know, as we kind of wrap up this first segment, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things went wrong for Indiana today. You know, and I think team-wide – Rutgers just had more desperation. They got to more loose balls when there was a play there to be made to swing momentum one way or the other. Rutgers was the, was the team that made it. But I think you can boil everything down, you know, because on the bright side, you know, we talked about Landers offense in the second half. Those six points were huge. Jerome Hunter provided nine really big points in the first half. That was a big offensive lift for Indiana. You know, you got 14 points from Armand Franklin. It wasn't particularly efficient, but you got some production. Trace Jackson Davis got some of the help today that he doesn't usually get, and his burden as a star, as a guy ranked number two in the Ken Palm Player of the Year Raider, as a guy who was talked about heading into the season as an All-American, your burden in a game like this when your teammates produce like they did is to bring it home, and he seemed afraid of being physical defensively, maybe getting into foul trouble against Iowa contributed to some of that. But we've also just seen some of these performances from him where he's kind of listless and he doesn't get into it and things go wrong early in the game and he's not able to bounce back. Some games he has been and we've lauded him on the show for, hey, that was a great bounce back by Trace. He really got it going in the second half when Indiana needed it. And that just didn't happen. And, you know, that Indiana is not going to win games this year for the most part when Trace isn't the best player on the court. You know, today his numbers, they're okay, like 13 points, Seven rebounds, a couple of blocks, a couple of steals. The numbers aren't horrible, but they also don't tell the story of his impact, which felt really minimal. And he allowed Ron Harper Jr. to be clearly the best player on the court. And if Rutgers is going to come in and Ron Harper is going to be the best player, they're probably going to beat Indiana. You know, it's that simple. And so Trace has gotten a lot of plaudits. He's, you know, been kind of the assumed game ball a lot of times this year. And with that expectation and with his ability and with what he's shown us he can do, that also comes, I think, in a game like today. Tough criticism when he doesn't bring it, because it just felt like you know he wasn't posting his heart. He did. It felt like he didn't want the ball, like he didn't want the action as much, or at least he wasn't working hard enough to get it. And. You know That's the formula. A lot of other things actually went okay for Indiana today, statistically, that could have resulted in a win, an ugly win, and we would have been picking apart the warts and all that, but you still might have won like 77-74 if you just get a good game from Trace. He didn't even need to be great. Instead, he was really subpar, and that to me is the most disappointing thing because this Indiana team is going to go how Trace goes. He's talked a lot about being different to Ryan's point. And he just didn't bring it today. And I, I think he deserves a fair share of the blame that he's gonna get. Hopefully he learns from it and is better down the stretch because this team should be better. He's better than this. And that's the thing that disappoints me the most about this game.
3: The the book the book on him is he's having difficulty with physical players and size. I mean that that that's what's out out there. And you saw it today with the two post players of Rutgers and the physicality of Rutgers and in Harper was digging down too off a race um and, and really making it tough on him that uh when he can go one on one or he can get a catch at the elbow or he can get a catch on a side ball screen and go go up and make a move strong that's when he's at his best when he has to go around someone or through someone he's really not as good as as he needs to be and today they forced him to go through people they never gave him uh angles you saw a little bit um, in in the second half um, and in that run that I showed you where they put him in at at the elbow catches and the side ball screens. But, boy, they were loading up for him too. And, yeah, I I agree. And even more so than that, the the rebounding, uh, I thought there were some uh, rebounds that were uh, offensive rebounds at key times that that he he wasn't very active in going uh, and and getting. Uh, That one on transition just showed, again, uh, whether it's frustration for not getting the ball or not scoring the ball's going to the other end, it's next play, you know, next play, get back there. And, and, and that's two points right there in a four point game down the stretch yeah. that, that, that really, um, uh, makes a difference. And, um, you know, it, he, he's been a great player. He will be a great player and we need him. Uh, and, and even great players have off nights. Um, yep. but, um, you know, for Indiana, he really can't. Uh, and that, that was – but he wasn't even posting hard. Right. You know, I, he was standing. He was so vertical in his game and just stepping to the block instead of trying to, yeah. to root out people. I thought he shied away from the physicality. If he today. was just struggling to make shots, it would be different. You know, but right. his energy
0: felt like a microcosm of what happened with the team in a larger sense. And, you know, this is where I will lobby or, or, or you know, kind of lay some criticism at, at Archie's feet. You know, number one – You know, to understand what's going on with Trace and to figure out what buttons to push to get him going. That didn't happen. And, you know, that's going to, there's going to be certain games where that doesn't happen. I don't know how much you can blame the coach for that. But I think on a game when energy and enthusiasm aren't there and Jordan Geronimo only gets six minutes. You know, I thought this was a tough matchup for him. You know, it seems crazy to say that guarding Luca Garza is a better matchup, but given Rutgers' physicality and some of the things they do, I thought Jordan might struggle, but I thought he played pretty well when he was in there. And it actually seemed like an opportunity given what he did against Iowa and then given what he did in the game, an offensive rebound putback some more when you're not getting it from Trace, maybe you give Jordan Geronimo some more minutes. And maybe it's insane to say that that's the answer to give that guy more minutes. But in a four-point game, maybe the guy who at least you know is going to give you some enthusiasm and toughness is the guy that you roll out there a little bit more. For whatever reason, it was Archie's job to find the answers today, and he didn't find the answers. And so when we keep seeing these kind of listless performances in big spots, you know, I don't know exactly what the answer is. I'm also not paid $3.5 million to find it. Archie didn't find it. So we can lay all these guesses out there that we want. You know, at the end of the day, this is another really, really bad loss on his resume. And, you know, look, sometimes it's the coach and the star player. They've got to get you home in games like this. And Those two guys just didn't do it. Any final thoughts on that, Andy?
2: Yeah, I thought with Trace. I mean, you look back at the shots that he made. He made four field goals on the day. One of it was on the lob against the zone that was kind of a really good setup to draw uh, I think it was Omari at the time up the lane. Race flash to the foul line, got him up. I mean, but that's a that's a lob dunk. He's not making a move on that. That's a well designed play. He got another one on a putback dunk. Um, he got another one where he was out handling the ball around the free throw line and around the elbow. Guy on Rutgers kind of lunges to try to steal the ball. He gets the corner and gets an and one on it. But even that, I mean, yeah, they've done that some, but it's not in the post. And I don't. The other one was an inside move, but I feel like he got dished the ball when he was open. I don't think it was actual like post move. I. So my point is, I'm not sure he scored one point off of actual moves in the post, and I think part of that was uh, Johnson doing a really good job in his length. He was really aggressive, you know, kind of playing over top of guys and being able to to get his hands and deflect a lot of balls and take, you know, cut down some of the passing angles like that. But just just not being able to get the ball in a position where he was able to score effectively on post moves at all uh, is somewhat telling, and I think the Geronimo. I thought he did an okay job on, on Harper when he guarded him. I thought race did a pretty good job on him for lots of times, you know, Harper made a few real tough turnarounds, um, you know, kind of foul line extended. There are tough shots that you're going to just have to live with somebody, you know, somebody making. So I didn't think he was a liability. And to coach's point, your option was him or Jerome Hunter. Now Jerome Hunter brought offense in the first half when he came in, but he gave a lot of it back uh, on the other end of the floor, just based on what he was doing defensively. So, yeah, it felt like it, but it, but at the same time, Archie sat Al and Rob for a long stretch in the second half. I thought the team played, played better when they were, were off. So it was like, I felt like he had a decent read on some of those scenarios. And even, you know, I think it was in the first half, it felt like you played a lineup like that and you'd kind of squeezed all you could out of them and you got guys waiting at the table to come back in and, um, you know, couldn't do it. But yeah, I, I think, I think the pattern to your point of, of following up a great win with a clunker uh, definitely is becoming a pattern that as a coach, uh, you don't want to start to be known for. Yep.
0: Okay, well, let's move on here to, uh, to segment two coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's disappointing loss. We'll point out today's meaningful moments you might have missed, then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game and much more. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
4: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase Player Five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase Player Five. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers!
0: Thank you, Juwan. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I am Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. And we are breaking down Indiana's 74-70 to loss to Rutgers. Such a disappointing way for Indiana to follow up their big victory at Iowa City by dropping a home game to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It's time, guys, for today's meaningful moments that you might have missed. And, you know, I want to point out one guy whose performance numbers-wise was a little bit inefficient, but I really thought – you know, gave Indiana a lot today. And that was Armand Franklin. And, you know, there were a couple moments in the second half, one at the 14-minute mark when Indiana's down 51-38. Again, you know, Indiana just needs something to keep going. Armand steps up and hits a long three-pointer from the top of the key. Then later on in the game, with a minute 30 left, again, it's an eight-point game. It feels like, you know, Indiana's just teetering on the brink of not being there. Armand steps up, makes a three-point shot. You know, he was only 4 of 11 today. We mentioned that. But he was 3 of 4 from downtown. He did turn the ball over three times. But given that he was clearly playing on an ankle that is not 100% and hurt it in the first half and was hobbling, you know, he, I thought, really, when not a lot of his teammates played really tough and (laughs) played as hard as you want, I thought Armand did. And I thought what he showed there in the second half with his shot making is the guy that he's become, which is kind of what Al Durham was at the end of last season, which is the perimeter guy that when Indiana needs a shot, They run sets for him, and he steps up and wants it. And look, late in the game, I think Indiana might have been down five. It might have been the possession actually after he made the three-pointer, the very next possession. you know, they, They had a possession where it ended up over on the left side a lot with him, and he ended up forcing a long two. And that's not a good shot, and he's taking too many long twos. But it also feels like there are possessions where his teammates just don't want it, and he's got to try and create some offense, and it ends up in a long two. And so you know, I'd like to see him get those shots out of his arsenal. And yet sometimes that's the shot that the offense kind of ends up presenting itself. And so I kind of half blame him and half blame just his teammates and the setup of everything. But, you know, I say all this to say he continues to progress as a sophomore. And so if you want to look at a positive from today's game, what we saw from Christian Lander in the second half in terms of shot making and what we saw from Armand Franklin in terms of shot making and wanting to be the guy with the ball in his hands. Injury and all, with the pressure, Armand is showing us that he's that guy. So I didn't think his defense was as good. I'm giving him a little bit of a pass because he's playing on a bum ankle. He's, he's, you know, he still gave you the effort and toughness. He was one of the bright spots for me in terms of how he played and just his development. I think those two underclassmen, you know, who knows what they'll turn into. But I think they're both showing us signs, at least today in these last, you know, Armand has been showing us signs all season, Lander a little bit today in the last few games, that, you know, they may be ready to step up and, and challenge, you know, Rob and Al for backcourt supremacy right now, if Al and Rob don't play better than they did today. So that, that I think, was a positive. Coach, you're nodding along. Your thoughts I, I think on Armand? that's
3: well, well said. Um, uh, you know, I don't think Armand had his great, greatest game. Uh, I think maybe he just played an average Armand game, which for right now has been elevated because of his play. The points, uh, I thought when he after he uh, hurt his ankle, I thought he had a really hard time guarding the bounce uh, and people were able uh, to drive. There's a couple times he overhelped and everything. But he's a sophomore, and sometimes sophomores will make sophomore mistakes. Uh, that's not to excuse them because you coach to perfection. But, boy, Ar- Armand's gritty, uh, dives on the floor, hit some big shots has really become a good three-point shooter. Uh and there's some player development if if we want to, you know, look at, at at a positive there with with the program. Uh he has been I think for me the favorite uh find or favorite positive of the season. Uh in a season that's just frustrating um some wins, some losses, his development uh, and the knowing that you're going to have him for two more years and he's going to get even better. Uh, I, I think you said it best. Uh, he brings and elevates that level of toughness. And, and if that's what is needed and is a you know, work in progress, it's awful slow. <laughs> it is so, this progress, if there is any at all, it's just so uh, at a snail's pace with this program. He he is a prime example of that. Um, and uh, it's next play with him. He He gets a blow by on defense. It's not going to bother him. He's going to stay in it. I'm not sure everyone else is there. Yet, and and maybe that's just maturity on some of the other guys. He's got it as a sophomore. He's got a level of maturity that you can build a winner with. Um, but you need five or six of them, and I think that's kind of what's missing: uh, is that we don't have more of those Armand attitudes. When when play goes bad, one end or the other, we we tend to have four or five possessions where. Yeah. You, you need a reboot. Too many reboots with some of these guys, but our Ar- Armand reboots himself.
0: Yeah, you know, and I actually
3: yeah. thought Andy that
0: Armand really struggled out of the gates today, but after he sat down for a bit, came in and for about a three or four possession stretch, this might have been the one that you mentioned, Coach. He was really committed to getting Trace involved, <laughs> you know, and it was it was nice to see. So he kind of rebounded, you know, himself in the game there. Um, but your thoughts on the day from Armand?
2: I just felt like on, on a day we criticized some of the guards for, for not being very aggressive. You mentioned Lander was a threat. I thought Armand at least was willing to drive the ball sometimes to a fault. And I think yeah. we've seen that too, this season, sometimes he's aggressive to a fault trying to make that home run play to Geronimo is another example of that. Like he's, he's going to be aggressive and unfortunately that's what this team needs a lot. And you then have to live with some of the decisions that maybe aren't the best where you're trying to do that. But yeah, that was a ton of times just as I look through possessions down the stretch like it ends up with him having to take a shot because I feel like everybody when things break down and everything's really passive and nobody gets the ball inside he ends up with the ball on the wing just saying well go figure something out and that leads to some of those long twos which he's made and so I struggle a little bit with criticizing him when everybody kind of just hangs him out to dry mm-hmm. and says hey go make a play on one one foot um which is not to say that he played a perfect game he didn't shoot the ball that well but boy when they needed threes like he was there to make him, uh, you know, the one play at the top of the key was great that Stephen Bardo, like that he calls the elevator screen. He and everybody else calls that <laughs> like he friggin' invented it anyway. um, You know, but I thought he like stepped up in those situations and really made shots. And even the two putback dunks that I you got was Armand going to the rim, knowing that Johnson's going to come over to try to block the shot. And again, when you have guys give the effort and run the floor, we, we talked about Trace not running back when Miles Johnson gets a, a putback you know, where he runs by him and gets it. I mean, you did the same thing in those possessions, but that happens because you've got guys running the floor and you've got a guy attacking the basket. And that was few and far between today for me. So I struggle a little bit like you to be super critical of Armand, even though he did struggle. Um, and I and I kind of wondered toward the end of the first half if it wasn't just a case of they didn't want to take him out and let the ankle tighten up and let it get worse. But he was laboring pretty good out there for uh, a pretty long stretch toward the end of the half. And maybe he got it retaped and loosened up a little bit um, at halftime. And, you know, but on a team that doesn't have a lot of aggressive guys um the the one guy who's consistently aggressive I, I just struggle to heap a lot of blame on him after a game like that. Armand
0: played well enough for Indiana to win this game far from perfect, but he played well enough for Indiana to win this game now on the flip side what what, other, was,
3: what is Indiana's record two and two since he's been hurt? like the two games he missed Indiana split and then so. when he came back they won Iowa and then today uh should have won I, I think he's our second best player easily by far and, mm-hmm. and the nearest thing to a closer. Uh, yes. and, and I would be suggesting to run some plays for him, Yes, you know, that, that elevator screen, you know, shocking Bardo, but, um, <laughs> that we really need to get him that confidence going early, um, <laughs> that to run stuff, run him off that baseline, those baseline screens, like you run Durham off those baseline screens. Cause he's just clearly, you know, our, our, our second, um, best player and he's more consistent. Yeah. Even, even through his mistakes, he's more consistent game in and game out. Other meaningful moment for me goes back to the first half. It's 17 to 16. And
0: again, you know, this is one of those moments. It's a close game. It's a one possession game. There's a play to be made. Who's going to make it? Well, there was a loose ball over in the left corner. And Ron Harper Jr. just out hustled everybody for it. Al Durham actually had the ball in his hands, couldn't secure it. Ron Harper just kind of lays his body out, ends up getting the ball. They scored on the next possession. It was Harper, 19-16. Then Harper hit a three, and boom, just like that, it's 22-16. Kudos to Ron Harper, who was a big-time player today. Um, But for Al, this was a microcosm for me of his entire career struggling in matchups just like this, against tough physical defenses where they really body you up you know, and I know Al's a little bit slight of frame and all that, but he's also a senior now, you know, and Indiana's just, you know, just as Indiana's not going to win games with Trace Jackson Davis only scoring this much, Indiana really needs Al to hit that 12, 13, 14 point mark, which he's been averaging over the past six games, today only eight points, too much side to side dribbling. Indiana is not going to be good with Al just dribbling side to side on offense, but Rutgers made him uncomfortable, bodied him up, And in a game where the Indiana really needed him to step up, he just wasn't up to the task. And it's been a tough matchup for him all his career, but you would hope, you know, down the back stretch of his senior season that he'd be able to play a little bit better in it. And unfortunately he wasn't. Andy, you want to speak to that and then make your final comment. I know you have to get going.
2: Yeah, I thought and I had mentioned that same play earlier where it was like to me that was not only a microcosm of Al, but I just thought of the game. When there was a play to be made and a loose ball to be had it was Rutgers when there was a play, you know, when running the floor was going to mean the difference between, uh, you know, getting back on defense, getting a good shot. Like they were more often than not the ones to do it. Uh, you know, in terms of him more specifically, his was another odd one where you can go back and you can kind of remember each shot. He hits a three to start the game. Doesn't score the rest of the half. Hits a two on the baseline to start on the first possession of the second half where he, you know, kind of made a nice read flared out to the corner, hit a shot. And then he didn't make another one. So he banked in a three, which, I don't know how you, you know, what do I don't know how much credit one gives for uh, one gives for that at some point, but like again, like you made plays to start the game and then just kind of disappeared. But it was so much of that what you said of dribbling side to side, not being aggressive, kind of the opposite of what we talked about with Armand, who was sometimes overly aggressive. Uh, But but yeah, it just seemed like Al was content to to play on the perimeter and swing the ball around and and didn't really get anything going toward the basket, and it just. You know, when he's at his best, he's at least doing that, even if he's making plays for others when he's doing that uh, and, and trying to get the ball to somebody else and just um, just wasn't aggressive enough. I think that was a lot of what you saw from IU where, again, Rutgers was the aggressor. They were physical with IU from the start and IU too many times wilted from that physicality instead of trying to play through it and, and get some fouls called. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I got to I got to go uh, coach a game here. In a, hey, congrats a to Orange Anderson on the big win. Yes, yeah, so the I don't know why the Twitter is what it is, but it's it, we're like the yeah, well we're the Lady Orange from Anderson, but they oh. for some reason the Twitter must have gotten taken. So anyway, we uh, yeah got our first win yesterday. Hopefully we make it two today. Um, you, better it you better back it up. You better back up. It's on you, yeah. Coach. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Um, now you know I, I don't know that I'd say too much different than what we all said in the opening. It, it just was. A disappointing follow up to a really good game where you start to think that maybe things are clicking. they talked about how the week off did them did them good and they got refocused and things like that, and then all that just becomes talk again and and I think that's been the drumbeat of the last last few years of feeling like you're gonna turn the corner and then getting the rug pulled out from underneath you when when you do that and um again, I think it it goes back to a lot of matchup stuff of I will let you get comfortable. Rutgers doesn't. Uh, and this is a team that too often kind of wants to the, things to go be easy for them, and when they're not, it, it gets a little bit tougher. So, you know, now it's it's a little bit hard to say what's going to happen. They've already had a week off schedule with what's going on at Michigan. That game's not going to get played, so you're going to have a pretty long layoff. Uh, I, I I'm not sure with most things about this team. I'm not sure whether that's good or bad. Quite honestly, to figure out what uh, what may happen and what that may lead to, but uh, certainly a, a disappointing a disappointing performance uh coming off of what they had done and uh it, it's ultimately performances like this that are the reason that people are keeping this program at arm's length at this point and not really willing to to buy into things having turned the corner and i it's hard to blame them it's the reason i thought they'd get smoked at iowa uh to you know to go back to that it's like you just don't know what to uh you know what to expect so Anyway, that's uh, that's all I got. Have a good rest of the show, fellas, and uh, I'll let you. Well, actually, I probably won't let you know if we have a letdown and, and lose today. Uh, <laughs> I going. will let you know. Yeah, if you if you don't hear from me, I'm in the same boat as I you. So we'll. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sounds Jared, good, man. You're,
3: you're, you, the the meaningful moment that that's the ball game. I think I, mm-hmm. I think you're you're spot on right there, and and it's indicative of that edge. Yep. Al Durham had the ball first. Yes. I was like, call timeout, call timeout, and next thing I know, the ball's being stolen, kicked up, and just like batted like a volleyball to the rim, and it was actually just tipped in. It wasn't even shot in. And what happens is, and I'd like to go back from a Rutgers perspective and see how many times they think they didn't hustle and gave up shots too. We always look at it at the Indiana perspective, right? But
0: Probably not many today.
3: Yeah, it had to be an advantage. I was just going to say that – um, I had this. There were two contested shots in the first 13 points where they just drove the lane, were contested, and made shots. Uh, that's not defensive letdown, but there were two defensive errors in that first stretch, and then, uh, then you had that junk play. Well, that's indicative of not winning the edge. That 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 edge, and and you're looking at a four point game down the stretch, where those things matter. Um, and then just that last play of the half. You you get a shot, you get a dunk, Jeez. you come out of timeout, you you diagram a play for man, you diagram a play for zone, the players executed it. It's a three-point margin and then you give up an offensive rebound. I think was that it was that it at the yes, end. Yes, offensive
0: rebound putback.
3: Offensive rebound putback. Yeah. And then there was another offensive rebound putback on a fast break in the second half.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, you're looking at that's 6 points right there from lack of lack of things you can control. And I think that's very important as a program, and, and Archie's got to get a handle on this. We have to win the things we can control. You can't control a guy, the Ron Harper turnaround, square up in the air, jumper, he hit twice. No, that's you, unguardable. You can't control that when, when that goes in, but what you can do is have a big enough lead when that goes in that those things don't matter. Uh, and when you don't get uh, those, those, a couple of those plays, that's six points. That That's the frustrating part. Mm-hmm this program where it is right now is is that total inconsistency uh of of those little things and it goes back to your standards um you know and and to me standards aren't final four and elite eight and big 10 championships they're not they're how you play the game and this team is too up and down with the edge too up and down with uh being aggressive versus not being aggressive uh and that's that's on the players that's on everyone and that's the problem i have you can be a really good team and get upset in the sweet 16 you can be a really good team and finish third in the big 10 but it's how you play uh and, and this team is not playing well consistently
0: nope All right, coach, let's look at a few numbers. Probably not a segment we need to belabor because I just don't think this game was told in the numbers. I think this game was told in the plays between the numbers, in the hustle plays and the getting to loose balls. But you know, one that really stands out and that I think is actually indicative of that is the shooting numbers. So Indiana shot 63% from three-point range on 16 attempts, 10 of 16. Phenomenal. Indiana shot 71% from the free throw line Not great, but you'll take it. Now, the number of attempts wasn't great, 17. Indiana needs more than that. But coach, Indiana, and this courtesy of Inside the Hall uh, Hall Twitter, Indiana was 10 of 24 on dunks and layups and 4 of 16 on other two-pointers. So essentially mid-range two-pointers. Now, again, if you're looking at the formula for how Indiana wins, this is a team that is fourth in the Big Ten in two-point field goal percentage and fourth in free throw rate where they didn't get to the free throw line enough, and their field goal percentage on two-pointers was obviously terrible. But it's really twofold. It's, number one, not being tough enough or smart enough down low, like not being patient enough to wait for an overzealous shot blocker to make his move and then score, but also not being tough enough to play through contact. But also, coach, four for 16 on long twos. Like, this is 2021, you know? Like, every now and then, okay, a mid-range shot. Like, I thought the Race Thompson shot at the elbow when he's wide open. That's a good shot. I would take that, you know? I didn't really have a problem with Christian Landers long, too, that was in rhythm and kind of came through the offense. You're wide open. Like, there are some times to take an open shot there, but not 16 of them, especially if you're only going to make 25% of them. And so that just showed a lack of toughness and a lack of IQ on the offensive end that have been problems for this team when they lose. And that, to me, like all the other numbers, you can talk about them. The only other number I would say is Indiana, when they're playing really good defense, they get blocks and steals. Today, Indiana had two blocks and six steals, and that's just not enough. Like when Trace and Race are really active defensively, they're getting blocked shots. So to me, the whole game is told in those numbers right there.
3: Yeah, and it's just the length and the physicality of Rickers caused Indiana not to score inside, and that's because we didn't answer with toughness and physicality in our shot prep uh, and, and in our making. And, and then you, you, you allude to four of 16 from long range twos, then you settle. Uh, and we had a lot of late shot clock shots that were counted as shots that had to be forced up, which always hurts your percentage. And you had a couple, uh, 32nd violations, uh, because, uh, again, we didn't have that punch back when when, when they punched us defensively with their switching and everything else, we, we just didn't do it. And, and inside, it's a game of angles Um, unless you're just going to jump up and shoot over someone uh, that that's, that's where I would work with, with trace Jackson Davis and and the post guys. And, but, but there was one where, you know, he caught the ball. There's a great design. It's that play that they run. They run a guy baseline and Leo caught it and trace Jackson Davis was wide open, but he cut to under the rim. So when he caught the basketball, he had to reach back over his head and shoot the ball, and here comes the length, and it blocked the shot instead of taking a, a rear-end dribble back and contacting the defender and going up and shooting it in. But he that's that's just bad execution. The play is not designed for you to run under the basket and be on the baseline. It's for you to run underneath and get the ball on a strong side block. Yeah. He didn't finish his cut. Um, uh, you know, I saw someone say, well, the pass led him there. Well, if it did, then just back-dribble and score it. Um <laughs> He got blocked all day today because he just presented mm-hmm. the ball to length. You can't present the ball to length. You've got to go around length, or, you know, or up over length. And he doesn't have that game right now. Um, yeah, as good as he is, he just doesn't have that game. He's got to get it. Um, yeah, I think I think I remember the player talking
0: about it was fifty-seven fifty-one, and you know, you really need a little run. It's fifty-seven fifty-one. Trace has the ball in the paint, right, right there. You're thinking good things are going to happen. Five seconds later, it was sixty to fifty-one ruckers. <laughs> yeah, know, like that's and not you know supposed to happen. You're in a
3: bad, you know, you're going to have a bad day when when that happened. Yeah, you know. Also, when you have a loose ball that kicks up for a tip in, play, a, a loose ball rebound, and they kick it out for a three when you're trying to make a run, it is. And there's, I'm not making excuses. It's just a bad day when every mistake is compounded by a positive on on the other side, or so it seems like like yeah. that. But that was a big possession, and you know, uh, I. I know, no one gives credit for the play being called. Right, it, it, the player didn't execute the play that was called. Now, maybe there needed to be more plays called or whatever. I'm not going to disagree with that. But at times, there was some good, good things that were happening out there. It's just not enough of them. And to me, it's it, it the frustrating. I'm going to sound like I'm just repeating myself. Is just the mental toughness. It's just hard yeah. to watch. It, it just is. If, if, if Indiana is going to lose, um, go down swinging and have the other team just hit miracle shots. And we would be disappointed and try to point out all the errors and everything there. But when you lose and you don't feel like they gave everything they had, you know, like the loss at, at, at uh, Florida state, the loss at Wisconsin, you didn't like him. There were reasons we could have, should have won those games, but again, the fight was there. Uh, I didn't see the Illinois game, but what I heard was that the Illinois game was like that until the last two or three minutes. But why? Why isn't it a standard every game? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and numbers, no numbers. The numbers that count are nine and seven, and you're barely hanging on to a NCA berth. You got moved up in the net to thirty-seven, and you're in the eight-nine range. Well, now you got, you know, you're back down. Fall in right the, back. Back in the ten eleven range. Um. So that that's it's a no numbers game for me. It was it was an attitude and awareness effort. You know you got to be aware. Yeah, you got you just got to be if you're going to win big games.
0: Hold the thought on mental toughness. I want to make a statement about that when we get on the other side of the break. Uh, All right, coming up here on the assembly call, we are going to hand out some game balls. Mike Roberts Hustle Award. That'll be interesting in this game. Hit any other lingering storylines. Then we're going to look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. All of that, plus last call, coming on the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
4: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Woo. Play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase Player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Woo. Play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase Player Pine.
1: What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers!
0: Thank you, Devontae. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed you can text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter as well. That is IU to 66866. You get all weekly uh, Indiana basketball news roundup, plus our post-game analysis emails uh, when you subscribe. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni. Ryan and Andy both had to pop off. We are finishing up our breakdown of Indiana's four-point loss to Rutgers. Coach, you, I think the theme of the show is that Indiana just wasn't tough enough. Just weren't tough enough. Didn't get to enough loose balls. You know and I will say? I don't... Uh, Whenever we mention this, people like get all up in arms, like we're making excuses. It's not an excuse. Indiana should have won this game. But, you know, sometimes when you look at players who aren't available in certain games, it matters more than others. I think there's an argument to be made that Trey Galloway missing the Iowa game was a positive for Indiana because I don't think he was a good fit in that game at all. Like, I think he would have been played off the court as it was. Joey Brunk obviously would have helped, you know, just because, uh, you know, because we got into foul trouble. But I think today, I think Indiana really missed those two guys. And again, I say that not as an excuse, but to recognize those two guys and not forget about them. But I think this particular matchup, this particular game against this team and with the esprit de corps that Indiana brought out there, like just the the lack of that they brought out there, I think those two guys whose games are based on grit and hustle and toughness, even though they're rough around the edges, I think it might have made a difference today. So I just say that to recognize those guys. It's not an excuse for what Indiana did today, but this is the kind of performance where you miss that. And unfortunately, no one else stepped up to provide what you didn't have from those guys, and that needed to happen. But just a little recognition for those two guys, because I think this is a game they would have really been important
3: in. Yeah, and, you know, um, I'll point out to, to our listeners too, there, there's a difference between playing hard and being aware. Like, I think Jerome Hunter played hard today because he looked for his shot. He hit some big shots. He uh, he was aggressive. Um, and so I think he was playing hard. I don't think he was very aware defensively. Um, Ooh, and there, there's a difference, because you you have to play hard and be aware, both, in order to win games in this tough Big Ten. Uh, I think Al Durham plays hard. I don't think he was aware. There there was a play where a guy hit a three on an out-of-bounce, and they pre-switched. And um, Al thought that he was getting screened and the guy cut without really a screen, and Hunter thought he wasn't getting screened, so they both stayed with the big in the middle of the lane, and and the guard cut out. Well, those were the two guys who were probably the most or the least aware defensively tonight. And I imagine if I went back and graded out the film, you're going to look at 20-plus points of their lack of awareness to the scouting report, and to just the basic strategy of what they've done. They have switched that ball, the, the out-of-bounds, all year long. All year long. And it, and it was a lack of communication, lack of an awareness. And, and when you lose by four to a hungry team in this, you, you can't have 20-plus um, – from a lack of awareness and I'm sure other players had moments too of lack. Of, you're going to have game slippage. Every game is not perfect. Every game you're going to have slippage and those things, but it really stands out when it happens over and over and over again. And that that's all in that category of mental toughness. These guys want to win. They want to get out there and play. Uh, they, they, they mean well, uh, but you got to back it up with that awareness, um, yeah. and it's not just enough to break out in a sweat and sweat and do those things and and play hard. Um, but the awareness piece goes away. Uh, the, the last twelve minutes of the Iowa, very aware of where the shooters were on catches. It was on point, excellent, and you did not see that today. And that's and then a good team uh, or a decent team like Rutgers will take advantage of it. Um, and win. So, to me, that's what mental toughness and and all of that is all about from the coaching perspective. Let's go game ball
0: quickly. Uh, I think we can still have this segment. It's not like this was a total no show. It was disappointing, uh, but not a total no show performance. My game ball goes to Armand for all the reasons I laid out before. I just think he was overall Indiana's best player. Uh, you know, despite the sprained ankle, stayed out there, toughed it out, made some big shots. Um, even though he had a bad start, I thought he rebounded to be Indiana's best player. The problem was he wasn't good enough as Indiana's best player to win because they had Ron Harper and Geo Baker that were better than anybody we had. So I'm going with Armand. Do you have a, a different choice for game I, ball? I'm going
3: to go with Armand, Ar- Armand as well. Um, from this point of of the toughness, he was hurt and he, and he fought his way through. He had some struggles and he bounced back. He hit some big shots. He stayed with it. Missed some layups that we ended up scoring on, but he was ready to shoot the threes later. That's the kind of guy I want my foxhole. Uh, and, and, you know... It wasn't one of his better games, but it wasn't a a horrible game either. Um, And I think we're going to win a lot more games as he develops over the next few years. Uh, That's my kind of guy, and and I think he deserves the game ball. Yep. All right, next segment.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, we've talked all game about how there wasn't (laughs) enough toughness and hustle. I I got one. But I I have one, too. you want to go first, because I, I I have a guy that I think deserves this. In addition to, Armand. I'm going
3: Christian Lander.
0: I was too. Okay, state your case, because I was gonna going to go Christian with Christian
3: Lander, and and here's why. And, and I know it hurts, and I, and I I can't read any news, and I got to go to the school around here in Lafayette, but um, it hurts. It hurts to lose. Losing's awful, and it's unacceptable. But that young man's sticking with it. His last two performances were acceptable, um, and mm-hmm. they were at crunch time, um in iowa iowa and a big part of the reason we won was christian lander and then he backed it up tonight yeah. uh his his effort and i know sometimes when you see him closing out on a shooter late but he might have been in the right position i'd have to go back and look was he he was on that one play up? he was he was there was a
0: miscommunication right. he recognized it and ran
3: out to try to challenge yes. the shot that was not his fault that was him right. actually and being so aware when- yeah you know, uh, when you see on Twitter and everyone's like, the guy running out to contest the shots, oh, he he was out of position. No, maybe he was in position, but someone else was and he was covering. I thought his taking drives in the chest um, was really good. And, and a couple times he, he got caught in the screen. He melts in the screen sometimes. He's got to be out in point and field. But, boy, I like the way he was bouncing with the basketball. And I he hits a couple shots today that with an offensive challenge perimeter. And I think eventually you put him and Armand out there, you got a couple north-south guys. Yep. Guys that can really, really, really go. And it's always going to be the d- defensive side for him. I thought he hustled today uh, up to where he is at this point in his development. It's got to get better. But he hustled enough to get the award, I think.
0: Look you know, the problem with this game is you had a winnable game right there in a spot. You really had to win it and your upperclassmen just let you down. Like you could make a very strong case. You know, Anthony Leo played 16 minutes. Christian Lander played 11. Jordan Geronimo played six. You could make a really st- Now maybe if they got overexposed and played more, they wouldn't have played as well. That's a counterfactual that's always there, but I think you could make a really strong case that those guys should have played more. Like I know Leo had the bad turnover and wasn't really looking for a shot but he had three tough rebounds and three assists, like he was really looking to get the ball inside. And so of all the positives to take from today, I think you take Armand's play because I think this was another just good step for, for Armand to play through an injury and still be a guy who produced. You know, I remember Archie's first season, he talked about guys who have a responsibility for production. Armand is a guy who clearly takes that responsibility seriously and figured out a way to produce today, even if it wasn't that efficient. But that's that's really good. The other thing, is those freshmen, you know, we didn't get to see Trey, but Anthony, Leo Christian Lander, Jordan Geronimo, they're coming on. And a lot of times this is when freshmen come on. We talk a lot about that 2016 team. Things really turned for that team when OG and Juwan became regular members of the rotation. And remember, you know, they would get in there and you'd be like, damn, we always seem to play better when OG and Jawan are playing. And as the season progressed, they got more time. It takes freshmen some time, sometimes, sometimes. So, you know, I'm I'm walking away from this game thoroughly frustrated, thoroughly disappointed. There's nothing about today overall that's a positive because when you have a must-win game and your star doesn't show up and your upperclassmen guards don't show up and you feel like you got out-coached, that's a pretty big ball of crap, you know? So, it's not an overall positive. But if you're looking for something that might be a bright spot that Indiana can build on, these young guys kind of feeling like the light bulb is turning on. That's the thing I'm going to cling to for hope. And I will say this about Armand for the hustle. You know, you mentioned the play where he, you know, at least tried to close out on the guy. I thought there were a couple plays also where. You mean Lander,
3: right? Lander,
0: Lander, yes, sorry, Lander. You know, he's been a guy who's just been driven to the basket like crazy all year long. And I thought there were a couple times today Young tried to drive him and, and Christian bodied him up and forced a tough shot. You know, there was one time when Armand or uh, Christian chased him around a screen and Young curled in. It was a really smart play by him and he ended up getting fouled. That's just an old guy taking advantage of a young guy and making the right basketball play. Um, But there were other times that Armand, or gee whiz, that Christian really bodied up the dribbler and just prevented a guy from just driving straight to the basket. And there were other guys who weren't doing that. So. You know it wasn't just making shots, I thought he did play harder and smarter in that awareness you're talking about, so it's nice to see because you know we've been wanting to see him play more, and you've been wanting to see the flashes. Why was this guy a five star? I think today you saw a little bit of it, you know you saw that confidence he's the other thing I like about him right now, coach is he's starting to understand shot selection a little bit more, and I think in this case, you always want to have to slow it out a guy down rather than speed him up. So every time he touches the ball, you can see he's thinking about shooting. <laughs> like you can almost like see the thought bubble go up Sense above his head. It, yeah. But he doesn't now. Like all the shots
3: he took today were good shots within the flow of the offense, and that's really important. And he's trying to run offense. He's yes. trying to command the, the team while he's out there. Still a, passing sometimes a long pass. You go, oh, don't don't get that. But he's he's coming. If this is a, the sign of 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 his development, that's that's a good thing. And you know i I know i'm over over positive uh about this. I will always root for the Hoosiers and try to find glimmers of hope, but you know the last two recruiting classes those players uh if Lander can get going, those are the guys you know we're talking t j d number one player Armand and then Galloway now starting and then you got Leo coming on Geronimo coming on, and maybe Lander coming on those last two recruiting classes um are starting to show um maybe what what what's the plan the first two recruiting classes have been too up and down other than race thompson um uh, you know i think you, you look at those and you got guys that are too up and down um and so I mean, i'm reaching jared for some some hope that that if the plan is to get guys like those guys and joey brunk is in that recruiting class last year too um brought in for for things so i i just keep holding on to that despite the frustration
0: This team is so funny. Like this team was pegged early in the season as a fringe top 25 team. Boy, are they proving it because every time they fall outside of the range of like 22 to 26 or 27, the next result pulls them back in, right? Like they got up to 14 before the Texas game, they get blown out. And now they're down to 27. You know, today they inched up. I checked Ken Palm earlier today. They'd inched up to 21. Well, well, Got to get them back to 24 so you lose to Rutgers. It's like this team is just – there's just a weight. You know, you you you, bounce, you fall down to the mid-30s. Hey, let's go beat Iowa on the road. Bump back up to the mid-20s. So, I, look, this team is what it is. They are a right. fringe top 25 team. But the question is you still have to win games. You know, you don't get into the NCAA tournament because your Ken Palm is good. And there are teams every year that the computers like, but they don't win enough games. And you play a tough schedule and all that stuff does not matter. You have to win games. And I will not entertain one excuse about this team's schedule if they don't have enough wins come NCAA tournament time because they lost at home to number 71 Northwestern, lost at home to number 41 Rutgers, lost at home to a Purdue team that is okay, but not great. You should be able to beat them at home. That's three games right there. You take care of business right there. You are feeling good. So, you know, it's interesting to look at the computer numbers, and I think they show you that this team does some good things, but you've got to win games. And this team is just letting these winnable games slide by them, and it's going to get too late if they don't start winning, you know, soon.
3: Yeah, the the, the good thing is, you take a look at the teams that we have out at Delphi Bracketology and woo. Uh I mean, but you got to be above 500, I think, this year. But there's some teams like I think Maryland might even deserve to be in right now, and they're 3-6 and in the Big Ten because of their wins. So it's kind of a crazy year. The other thing, too, is – and, again, not making excuses, but sometimes it's when you play teams. Like, we had unfortunate ability to play Northwestern when they reeled off three in a row, and now they can't win. Uh, Clemson – Was nine and one and thought to be a two or three seed, and then they have COVID and they've come out and been boat raced three times in a row. I'm pretty sure it's they don't have their legs. So, you know, if you're playing Clemson right now, that's a good time to be playing uh, Clemson. Uh, Maybe we caught Rutgers at a bad time, just enough to play bad and lose by four because they were hungry after five. You know, I mean, it's uh, you got to (laughs) play. They've lost five in a row. Catch them at a bad time. I know what you mean. No, it is though. But it's it's one of those things you always kind of see in hindsight.
0: You know, yeah. Yeah,
3: and um this still should have it, just won just, the damn game. It's just brutal. I mean, it, it's a it's a brutal schedule and and the response has to be the standards of excellence have to be there every possession, every game. Yep. And the truth is they're not. You know, I'm not making excuses, but you know, you're going to get teams that are good and you might get teams that are good and on a real hot stretch. That's my point. How do you beat them? With your standards of play and awareness every single night out. And Indiana's yeah. not doing that as a program and it needs to be addressed. Just
0: just get a good game from your superstar and you win this one. It's even with all the warts, it was as simple as that. So, you know, that's that's gonna end up being my, you know, kind of the what I leave this game with. Indiana wasn't tough enough, and they usually go how Trace goes, and Trace wasn't tough enough. It's just got to be better. Let's look ahead uh, real quick, Coach. Indiana scheduled. They were scheduled anyway. uh, Their next scheduled game was Saturday. Next Saturday against Michigan. So they were going to have a week off, then play a Michigan team that is obviously rolling. Uh, Michigan had to shut things down. There was a strain of the new, I guess, UK variant of the coronavirus in their program. They shut things down. So that game is going to be postponed or canceled. I don't know what they're going to do about, you know, actually postponing or rescheduling the games. But that now sets Indiana up for back-to-back games, home against Illinois, home against Iowa. Usually you look at two straight home games against good teams and you're like, "Okay, here's a chance to, you know, pull off some upsets." As you said, Indiana's losing all these games at home. So maybe it's actually a bad thing. But, you know, look. You look at games against number 7 and number 4. And you think all right I mean those are going to be tough games to win doesn't matter you're 4 and 5 in the league you have got I mean at a minimum you've got to win one of those games and I think if you can win those two beat the teams above you and get back you know your head above water at 6 and 5 like these are home games we should be winning these games Iowa and Illinois are not so good that we can't beat them at home let's just go do it like stop messing around and you know having these crap bad starts and these random games that we just don't play well you know, whatever you got to do. If we got to do the rock bottom speech again, whatever. Get our backs up against the wall. Backs are against the wall, guys. You're 9-7, and 4-5 and 5 in the league. Two big opportunities to bolster your NCAA tournament resume. You know, restore some sanity inside of Assembly Hall. Like, just go do it. You can beat both of these teams. You already beat one of them, and you played, you know, pretty well on the road against another one, even though they, you know, killed you late. But let's go. You know, so anyway, two really big opportunities. Indiana's got to win at least one. You know, but I think it's I think it's fair to say they need to win both of these games, their home games. And now because you've got to pick up for those losses, those home losses that we already talked about, you got to start making up for them. So you put yourself behind the eight ball and now you're going to have to do something a little bit unexpected to get on the other side of it. So let's go. Let's win them. That's that's my mentality coming into this. I'm not going to give them a pass because they're playing top 10 teams. You've now put yourself in a position where you have to beat those top 10 teams at home for, I think, every, anybody to start feeling really good about this thing again. That's where I'm at. I don't know if that's too harsh or whatever, but that's where I'm No, where I'm
3: I, I think it's fair. For me, it's just play. Um, you know, I can accept a loss down the road, and there are going to be losses. You've got nine games left. You're not going to run the table. If they run the table, we'll have a lot of great shows, and it'll take care of itself. But um, I don't <laughs> believe be Indiana will run the table. What I want them to do is play nine great games. Uh, just, yeah. you know, not have, not have some of the lapses. I want them to play, uh, all connected, um, and not have one or two that are not aware of what's going on defensively. When you switch an out of bounds that you've been switching for nine, those are the mistakes that you shouldn't, shouldn't be making at this point uh, of the season. So for me, it is, you know, if you could play, uh, consistently, uh, and and if that results in a loss, then you should, you know you take your hat off, shake their hand, and and move on because the other team was just better than you at that point. I don't think Rutgers was better than Indiana today. Uh, I, I think Indiana allowed them to be better, uh, and and that bothers me. Um, congratulations to Rutgers. I thought they they, they played with a purpose yep. and therefore deserved to win. Not taking anything away, they deserved to win the way they played, and the way they were more physical and aggressive. Um. But if you match it, we win by seven, eight points. I think, you know, that's easy to say. You are listening to the
0: Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. You'll get 20% off your entire order. That promo code works all year long. Uh, It's ASSEMBLY20 at homefieldapparel.com. Coach, I just looked in the chat. Ann popped in here an hour and 15 minutes into the show and says, where's Ryan Phillips' rant? (laughs) So. I think we know why people come here, right? It's we're we're just here for the window dressing around Ryan's rant. You got to show up early for that, though. He was uh, it was a good one, uh, so you can rewind the show and go back to the beginning. Uh, it's a good rant, but Coach, let's uh, let's wrap up here. I don't know if there's a lot left to say, but any final thoughts that you want to leave the audience with here?
3: No, it, it's just it's constant. When you're a coach, it's a constant work work in in progress. Um, but but the the inconsistency bothers me. It, it, it just it just does that we've seen enough play that shows that Indiana can be better. And we've seen a lot of play that shows that they're not better. Um, and, and it's nine and seven and it's, it's just, it's at a point of, of frustration, um, where, where you don't get a two or three or four game winning streak. You can, you can understand the big tens tough and you lose a couple here and you lose a couple there, but to, to, to be two and three at home, uh, it, it's, it's just not acceptable. And, and, the bottom line is you have to find the right buttons to push with these guys, and I'm going to say this: I think it's time to change the lineup. Mm. Um, you know, look what Pykele did today. He, he he. They lost five in a row. They changed it up, and they got a better effort. Um, you know, I, I think it's time to either look at a smaller lineup or whatever. I don't know who you go with, but you know, it, it, and I'm not ready to to maybe just say that out loud publicly, but maybe some of your inconsistent players need to sit. Uh, may, maybe one of them. I don't know. Make it. It's maybe it's time for an all freshman starting lineup against Illinois. Just to do this
0: something. is on the radio, so you did just say it publicly.
3: Just to be clear, no, I know, but I mean names. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, browbeat a player. We're live. It it's a live show. No, I. I, I I'm just kidding. Yeah, but Coach. I mean, the, I name them who. Name who I would pull out of the starting lineup, but something has to be done to either find some offense, find a better connected defense, or. At least, you know, you sat Rob for a while, uh, and then, you know, you have Trey being hurt. Um, You know, I I don't know. Um, It's just at a point where you can't have good things. You feel so good after Thursday, and you go into day like, please, win this one. You can understand you got Iowa. Then you split Iowa and Illinois, and you're on your way to a decent run. Uh, But no, you lose. So I'm at a high level of frustration I always wear the IU gear. I'll be there uh, at the Illinois game believing they're going to win and rooting like crazy uh, and trying to find the positives because uh, the coaching staff's going to go to work uh, and the players are going to go to work. But it's just frustrating, Jared, um, to have to come on here and say a lot of the same things over and over and over again when you, you know. Um, but, you know, there's always the next game. You string two or three together and it's a different feel and, um, you know, yeah, I know that's all you got to do is just kind of keep the faith and, 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 and root for your team. And and if it's so bad, there's Gonzaga, you know, Gonzaga win and win by 30 every game <laughs> could, and you won't feel like this, so, cheer for Gonzaga. <laughs> but I, I cheer for Indiana. I've been a football season ticket holder for 30 years. I've had a lot of these, uh, uh kind of seasons and it just sucks. But,
0: Except um, don't cheer for Gonzaga because we want them to lose so that the 1976 team remains. Yeah, still lose they, at least once. Yeah. So maybe go, to yeah. go to Baylor or something. <laughs> yeah. so they got good uh, gear at home field. <laughs> you summed it up, Coach, frustrated. Uh, you know, we all got on here on the Iowa Postgame Show, and none of us were really willing to kind of buy in and fully believe. You know, we kept it at arm's length. But man, like I woke up today and I just felt good. Like I really, for some reason, had that visceral feeling, which I haven't had much this year because I haven't really believed in this team that much. I've always kind of been worried. And I woke up today and I was like, man, maybe something unlocked there those last 12 minutes against Iowa. Surely they're going to come out and play well today. And just didn't. And I feel like a damn fool. I really do because... I was even, I was tweeting like ever since the Iowa game. All the reasons to be skeptical because they never back up good big performances with a good one. I knew logically all the reasons why this could go bad and probably would go bad, and like an idiot, allowed myself to believe and even publicly said like, "Hey, I feel good about how they're going to play today."
3: Yeah, you I mean, dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: it. You know, and I, and no, that, I that say wasn't that, live. No, that wasn't live. I say that just to say I hate that. You know, I hate that as a fan. Like, you guys know me, especially the longtime listeners. Like, I want to believe in this team. And, and you know, for so long, especially early in the show, or early when we were doing these shows, you know, it always felt like there was a legitimate reason to believe in the team and to argue for why they'd win the next game. And those, it's it's just so much fewer and farther between, like those moments now. And it's frustrating and it stinks. I hate going into games, you know, feeling the sense of dread and then having the sense of dread confirmed. And that's happened too often the last few seasons. And I especially hate going into games, feeling real good about things and then being smacked in the face with it like today. So, you know, I think like the team does, I just has got to turn the page on this one. It was disappointing, you know, and if this is, if you look at this game as like, okay, I just can't anymore with this team. Beat Iowa, lose to Rutgers. I got to step away for a while. Like, do what you got to do. We're not going to do it. I'm going to show up like you coach for the Illinois game. Hope for the best. I think, you know, you got to stick with the team. This this team still does some good things. They've won some games. They've still got a lot to play for this season, but God, that's not going to take away the sting from this one. This was another home game like the Purdue game and like others where you get worked up and you say, this is one where you got to take care of business and Indiana doesn't take care of business. That's what we are right now. We're a program that can step up sometimes and get a big victory out of nowhere but we don't take care of business in the games we need to. And that is just, that's a roller coaster, man. You know, that is a roller coaster. The last coach was let go because it was too much of a roller coaster. And right now the style is different. The way it looks on the court is different, but the results, you know, are kind of the same from what we saw, you know, without the peaks of a big 10 title every now and then. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Frustrated, disappointed. There was a game to be won today. And Rutgers just came out and grabbed it from Indiana, and Indiana let them do it, and that is very disappointing. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, at YouTube.com/AssemblyCall, and don't forget to go to AssemblyCall.com or text IU to six six eight six six to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Thursday night. We can finally do AC radio. Uh, until then, keep your. Oh, wait, that's not me.
4: Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go,
1: Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
3: Here I come, Mrs. <laughs> Stan Sony. I don't like carrots.
0: <sighs> By the way, uh, today's intro segments. Brought to you by guys who have had great, memorable moments against Rutgers in the past. Juwan Morgan, who had his senior day 25 points on 11 of 13 shooting. Devontae Green, who had that thrilling end-of-game alley-oop with IU up 21 that Tom Crean reamed him out for. And the only issue I have with that play is that Freddie McSwain didn't complete it, because it was actually a really good pass, and it would have been a great dunk. And then Max Bielfeld, who had 18 points, 14 rebounds against Rutgers in that uh, December 2015 game, where Indiana almost lost to the 279th ranked Rutgers Scarlet Knights in Rutgers, but he and OG pulled Indiana back from the brink, and that really kind of got got you know that season had been teetering on the brink a little bit previously, but um that really got those two guys going, and we know what happened the rest of that season. So, hat tip to those guys. Could have used any of them. I, well, maybe not Devonte. <laughs> could use the other guys, unless it was one of the good Devonte shooting games, and then we obviously could have used him. Green light. Jerome kind of played like Devontae today. Anyway. Yeah, d- man, Jerome I'm offensively
3: done. is so, so fun to watch right now. But defensively, he's just, he's lost. Yeah. He's just, he's he is just lost. Um, and he,
0: you know, and there's sometimes he just doesn't play hard on defense. Like I will say that about him. He had, there was one play, you remember the coast to coast play he had where we had numbers, it was three on one. And he tried to do the Euro step and lay it in. Which, I don't know, like he got a good attempt at the basket. So I understand why he took it. He was on a shorter guy, you know, maybe could have kicked it out, whatever. He just missed it, but then came back on the other end and was just standing flat footed. And God just drove right by him and they got it inside, you know, for a a foul. Like he's going to make some mental mistakes, but you got to, if you're going to make mental mistakes, be in a stance with your butt low, trying, you know, and he was kind of hanging his head after missing the shot. And you can't do that.
3: You know, basketball is such a, and every sport you could probably pull out these types of things, but if one person lets up defensively, your whole team lets up defensively, if one person's not aware defensively, yeah. then, then it's a breakdown. Right. And and it, if one person that makes a bad choice on offense, it, it's just so important to get everyone on, on the same page. And you know, you, you, you have seasons where it just seems like it'll click at some point and then it won't click at others. And, um, that's that's just it's a struggle all the way around to try to to flatten that out to where you don't have such yeah. ups and downs. You know, I, um, I just saw this stat from Jeff Borzello uh, from
0: Elias. Since Archie Miller became Indiana's head coach in 2017-18, the Hoosiers are just two and nine in games immediately following a win over an AP top 25 team. Which man, you know, when Archie was hired, like he's this no-nonsense guy, right? He doesn't get too high or too low almost ever. Like he's the same all the time. He's not clappy on the sidelines. He's not cheering and stuff. That seems ironic. You know, you would think a guy like that, you'd have kind of an even-keeled team because he's kind of even-keeled. But it, there's something, when that when it's a number like that and it's happened consistently over four years, there's got to be something systemic. Like I don't know if he's Really good at going into that well of chewing guys out and having hard practices, and it can produce a good result. But then you can't do that all the time because if you go to that well too often, it doesn't work. And then he backs off and they relax. But it's like, there's just Here's there's some a, disconnect
3: there. I, I absolutely a hundred percent agree, and it needs to be fixed. Um, I think his guys at Dayton played with the chip on their shoulder because they were at Dayton. Yeah and when you go in and put X's and O's, you go in and put a scouting report, those guys know that, you know, we've got to execute exactly how it is to win in this conference, or when they get in the NSA tournament and go to the Elite Eight, they want to pull off some upsets. Uh, when you play with that chip on your shoulder, I think Archie has struggled in the recruiting area of getting guys that will play naturally with a chip on their shoulder. And then what happens as a coach is this guy's good offensively, this guy's good defensively, this guy likes to be yelled at, this guy doesn't, and you twist yourself into a pretzel trying to manage a team. Um, I think he handled Romeo that way. Like they had that 11-game loss, and he just kept preparing for the next game, preparing for the next game, which is what coaches do. And then after that Minnesota game, he lit into him and got better performance. Um, so I think, you know, the, he's got to figure out a way to coach at Indiana um, and get guys that are talented enough to win at Indiana and play with that natural chip on his shoulders because the X's and O's are there. I, I know we don't like the offense in that, but if you sit back and look at the college coaches and you go to clinics and, and you hear what he's attempting to do, and you know it's just like that timeout. They weren't getting the ball inside the TJD. Boom, four straight possessions going into TJD. It's not like he's not aware. I think what's missing is that a proper button-pushing um, from game to game inside games you see it sometimes at halftime he'll come out and he'll rip them at halftime uh and, and all of a sudden they'll, they'll play better what that shows to me is that you got multiple guys on this team that need different motivational tactics and, and i'm not making an excuse as a head coach you got to figure it out and archie hasn't um because that's why you have the up and down play um and when it clicks it's iowa uh, and, and when it doesn't, it's you're 54 50 at Northwestern and you think you have the game one and that's, that I hate calling it softness cause, but that just lack of attention to detail costs you a game because you don't guard Ajene or whatever. And you let him go for nine straight points. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's not easy when you're, you have programs like that. Um, you know, at high school, it's hard. It's even harder because you just got the guys that go to your district for the most part. Unless you're one of those private schools on ESPN, um, you know. You know, how do you get guys that don't guard? How do you use them? You need them on offense, but you got to hide them on defense. Um, you you wish you had a complete roster, and that that's where I've always fallen back on his roster construction. His first two recruiting classes have not panned out the way they've wanted. And now that's the old compartment, uh, that get old, stay old plan. Those are the guys, and they're not performing on a consistent basis. But, you know, Rob and Al and Jerome's been there just now. He's really a sophomore, though. If you count that, this is a young and inexperienced team to some extent. Um, And please don't think, listeners, that I'm I'm making excuses because your job is to win your, your job's to win a lot of players, a lot of programs win with freshmen and sophomores. Your job is to figure out how to push the right buttons. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm telling you, you know, this Your your dad's coach, sometimes you did the right thing. And sometimes you yelled at a kid and it, and it, and it took away his confidence. And sometimes, you know, maybe you let something slide cause you didn't think the kid needed to be yelled at. And he didn't play hard. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's been way too much of trying to figure that out in these first four years. Um, and you gotta worry about recruiting at that edge if you run kid off, then how do other people recruit against you? and I just think there's been a bunch of swings and misses with getting guys to play with an edge yeah and and maybe that is ultimately a new direction down the road if Dolson thinks that you know someone else is more equipped to handle the the Indiana situation or maybe Archie figures it out or maybe another recruiting class comes in and you know he's got um you know more guys that uh play with that kind of chip on the shoulder. I think the freshmen have it. I I, I like Lander cuz I was worried about him having it. Um but I think what he's shown the last two times that he come in and he'll learn. I think the sophomores have it more consistently than anyone else. Um So I that again yeah, I'm, I mean- I'm pulling no, no, and
0: to be fair with Trace, he didn't have it today, but he's had a lot more this year because we've we've right, talked about how right. He's he's been better at being consistent. You know, he wasn't today, and hopefully today is one of those blips you look back on. It's like, man, Trace had an awesome season, but boy, that Rutgers game was an outlier. You know, because he hasn't done. He's had some moments in games like this, but he's always turned it around and figured it out. And he just never figured it out today.
3: Uh, it was so. interesting. I was on on a. I think I said this on a post game one time before too, and it just really it was eye opening to me, but, um, it was IU Purdue preview and, um, Bobby Riddell, who's a color commentary now for Purdue radio was on, he was a walk-on from West Lafayette, okay. um, played at, played at West Lafayette and then walked on and Purdue. And one of the questions was how did, when did you really know what was going on? And I know he was a walk-on, but he said he never really knew everything that was going on to his junior year. Hmm. From positioning on defense to what was going to be done offensively, he said it just, the difference between high school and college is so great that uh, you pick things up as a freshman then you pick things up as a sophomore. And when you're a junior, that's when it really, really, you know, um, clicks in. And when you erase some of the frustration and embarrassment of losing to Rutgers and all of that stuff, I sit back and go, okay, uh, six of our guys, three of our starters are sophomores and freshmen. And six of our 10 guys who are active on the roster seven when you count hunter being a red shirt guy who didn't really practice at all that 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 first year so you got seven of ten guys who are sophomores that um that that's why there is some inconsistency in play at times when they're out of position on a closeout or whatever else because they're still grasping everything yeah um and again it sounds like i'm making excuses but I, i'm not um we have sophomores in our uh, high school that when they're garden they get to play low at 7:30 When they're not garden they go back and play JV um mm-hmm. because they're freshmen and sophomores and they don't they don't understand how to play at the at the b- big time level at our high school level so I mean, coach this is frustrating a difference.
0: there's a difference between excuses and explanations and it sometimes yeah. can be a fine line but i think you know we we've got to be mature enough here to handle the difference between the two right. and understand that Even with some of those explanations, and yeah, still should have won this game. But there
3: are explanations for why we see,
0: yeah, why we see some of the things that we see. You know, and it's important to kind of understand the difference between those.
3: Yeah, and and that's all I'm trying to share with people is that, you know, every time we watch film, man, you know, we won a game by 32 last night, (laughs) and we weren't happy with how we guarded in the first half. And our point after the game was, nice win, but you're going to get some ugly film reviews on Monday. Be (laughs) ready for it, you know, um, because you're just constantly, so everyone might think, well, you had a great game, you know, you really took it to them. Well, no, we should have won by 40, maybe, you know, Um, we got back to to basics this week because we we didn't guard very well in a 17-point win on last Saturday, and we had a hellacious week of practice. And our guys came out and guarded better on Friday night and guarded for three-quarters of the game on Saturday. So, you know. Okay, so here, there's
0: something here, and, and we're going way long, but this is some interesting stuff, and we'll make this the last topic. Because you said something there that I think is a problem with Archie. It, it, now, look, we haven't seen practice, so I can't say this for sure. This is basing it off comments that you hear in the post game, And so take all of that with a grain of salt, big fat caveat. But what you just said, you know, we won by 32, but we weren't happy with the defense. That's because it's a mentality of coaching and evaluating against your own standard and against the game, not just against the opponent, right? But it's like, okay, maybe we should have beaten this opponent by 45. We only beat him by 32, so we didn't play well enough. And there might be another game where, look, this team is just way better than you. They should have beaten you by 20. You only lose by five. Well, you know, as you evaluate your team, you kind of have to understand the difference. And one thing that I've noticed with Archie, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not, is... It kind of feels like that's not how he views it. At least that's not how he explains it. Because there's a lot of times when Indiana will, you know, like the Penn State or the Maryland wins, right? Especially the Penn State win. When Indiana just really didn't play well and you kind of eke out a victory. And maybe he's not supposed to say anything critical in a post game, But you never really... It always seems like, okay, we're just happy to survive. Well, you know what? If we're just surviving against Penn State at home that's not Indiana basketball playing up to the standards. You know, that's a game that you should win by more, you should play better, right? And But it feels like there's a satisfaction there. And it doesn't, so it doesn't feel to me, and to me, that would explain why Indiana plays up against good teams and down against other competition, because they're playing against the team, not against the standard for how good they can be. And I just, I see that in his comments, and it makes me question, and the only reason that I put any validity to it is because the performances of the team kind of back that up. So again, I say all that with 10% of the knowledge that you would need to have, but it just feels like that mentality that you talked about, which obviously is the kind of thing that coach Knight talked about all the time, right? And I don't want to compare the two, but that's kind of the mentality I would like to see from my coach, not satisfaction at barely surviving a game at home that you should win by more, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, it, it,
3: no, I, I can see where you can get to that conclusion. And I I, I would agree with you based on what you said. But if Archie's not coaching to a set of standards, then we need to go to a different direction. Because I think any coach really does that. Um, some coaches share it in the media. Some coaches don't. Um, you, you know, um, you'll you hear the coach speak, oh, this one's on me, you know. And we're in the locker room going, no, it was on the point guard who turned the ball over four times. But I'll take it in the media. Um, we 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 coaches respect the media and know that – all of us have a job to do, but we're not going to go into a whole lot of details We're you could tell by body language. And, and when I was a head coach, last thing I wanted to do after a game win or loss was to really go into deep analysis. I know at the, at the college level, you probably have to a little bit more because of, you know, the money involved and, and, and all of that stuff. But no, it's, it, I don't, I think he just doesn't like talking. Um, so he's going to give, real short, not thought out answers that have any deep meaning. Um, I listen to them to see if I can pick up something and sometimes I can, and sometimes I I can't. Um, it does from my vantage point as a coach and as a fan, you do get tired of hearing the same old things over and over again. You know, we got to get lower turnovers. We got to rebound the ball better. Um, but I've also been around a lot of coaches and we've talked and it's like, we're not going to say too much publicly. Um, But if if you're not trying to coach your team to a standard and and then that has to be evaluated by the people who are around the program, then I would be very, very disappointed in any coach, uh, any coach. I I think Fred Hoiberg has the standard to play and they're the worst team uh, in in the Big Ten. Um, You know, I yeah, I would be disappointed if he's not. Now, the execution of that. Are you spending too much time prepping for the next team instead of getting back to the fundamentals? Even some of the best coaches, it comes down to teaching, Jared. yeah. Are you teaching? Or are you a strategy coach, a technical coach? And I think where your truth of your statement could be is that, is he trying to spend time watching film of recruits coming up? Is he spending time trying to uh, prepare the scout for the next thing and, and a game plan for the next thing? Uh, if we could see practice, are there enough – Fundamentals being done in practice. And all of us get caught up in that. Like I said, we went back to basics after we thought a couple of weekends of not guarding. We won some games, we're not guarding. And we really, I mean, it was if your hand wasn't up sticking to eyes, you were running immediately. Um, we went back to that and it showed progress. And that sounded like what he did. So sometimes you get caught up in winning games, uh, and then you gotta pinch yourself and you gotta say, Hey, 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 we gotta get back. We gotta get back to the basics. And in college, when you have twenty hours and some of that includes the game prep and you got flights and you got other things like that, I think those fundamentals can really go if you really don't pay attention to them. That's what I would worry about and wonder about with this IU program um, with that uh, lack of awareness is are you just going, you know, what's going on in practice to to really make sure the attention to detail. Um, I think he's trying too hard to make the players happy, to make the program happy. To, to find ways to win, it's all backfiring on him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to be who you are. And, and if that's not good enough, and maybe he is, but I thought we'd see a lot more transition. I think we'd saw a lot more toughness because that's what Archie Miller was known for. And I think starting with Romeo and even Devontae and Justin Smith, I think he tried too hard to make everything work uh, to move the program ahead and it's not showing on, on results. Um, that's my take. Yeah. I don't know. We're just two guys on a mic, and don't see practice,
0: and don't see anything. So I always, I always hesitate to say that stuff. But I don't know. I guess we're just searching. Four years in, I'm just searching for answers for why we don't beat the teams we're supposed to beat. You know, like I just I want to have a program that takes care of business. You know, lose the games you're supposed to lose, win a few of the ones you're supposed to lose, and win the games you're supposed to win, and then you're going to compete for Big Ten titles. And we're sitting here in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten, or worse. Because we occasionally win games we're not supposed to, but then we lose a lot of games we're supposed to win. And that's just not the formula for getting IU basketball back to where it needs to go. So,
2: yeah, and, and, <clears throat> it,
3: again, it, it's when you have a tough schedule, your margin for error is small in that in that realm. You know, um, yeah. it just is. And, and Indiana's margin for error is small. And tonight they didn't cover it, um, and they need to. And they need yeah. they need to take care of these games. But I'm telling you, the craziness is happening in the Big Ten. I mean, Maryland is three and six and has three road wins (laughs) against ranked opponents. It's insane. Minnesota's ranked 17th and they're four and five tied with Indiana in the big 10. And they either win by 15 or lose by 15. Yeah. (laughs) And, 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 you know, um, uh, Indiana's more in games, I think, or, you know, they just lose from a stretch or two. So, you know, watch for Wisconsin to start losing some games, uh, You know, Ohio State gets beat by Purdue at home, and then goes in and beat wins at the Kohl Center. Um, It's 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 a crazy, crazy, crazy year where Indiana can win the next two home games. How do you win if you win Illinois and Iowa and get beat by Northwestern and Rutgers? (laughs) It it makes no sense. Um, I know at this point, just get to ten wins somehow, some way. Get to ten Big Ten wins,
0: you know, and you'll feel good. (sighs)
3: <sighs> yeah, if you're 10-10, if you're and 10, Indiana's going to the tournament, and then you can at least see their name on Selection Sunday and follow them a little bit, and that'll be a little bit of breather. But, yeah, stop these no. stupid graphics that are coming up with tournament droughts. Never in my life did I think I'd see an
0: NCAA tournament drought graphic for Indiana. I, wanted to chuck, I was watching the game on my computer. I wanted to chuck it out of the window.
3: Yeah, and, and I, I always ask this question, too, for me, is if you want a sustained program for 15, 20 years, how long does it take to build that program? yeah versus instant success right because because you could probably go to someone and get instant success and then it goes away again and then it comes back and goes away again we kind of had that in the last regime with kind of a helter skelter plan and some personality things and all that kind of stuff would we rather have that or or and i'm not saying this is where we're going Hmm. but how long does it take in a big 10 that's just brutal the last two years um you know and and I, I, I'm probably just trying to be too positive, but there, there. I just think it's a real tough job right now to come into the Big Ten and have any long-lasting success. And then you got Michigan, you know, so that maybe yeah. that's different. But, um, you know, every every team we've talked to it, way too much about. It. Every program's different. Um, yeah. <sighs> I just think this is a result of twenty years of bad decisions compounded with bad decisions, bad decisions, and it's just hard to get out of. Um, it, it's just, it's like we're...
0: It all led to losing to Rutgers.
3: And, and <laughs> yeah, and now, you know, Tampa Bay's about to score again. I know. Okay, not... okay, here's, here's. well, I'm not even going to say it. I don't want to end it on that note.
0: Just know I had a stat that was going to depress the hell out of you, and I used my discretion to not say it. Oh,
3: give it to me. I really...
0: Damn it. All right, so I was listening to the, uh, the Ion College Basketball podcast. Yep. They were talking about Houston.
3: Yep. <laughs> 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 I heard it.
0: Do I even need to say anything else? No, uh, Samson's a great coach. Every year Samson's been at Houston, they've jumped like from where they were in the preseason to where they ended up in Ken Palm has been like a massive jump. Loses guys, loses transfers, loses his best player, doesn't matter. And I just, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, God, you know, like, I mean, everything he did, obviously torpedoed the program and that was just a bad cultural fit, but man, in terms of like an actual coach and nothing depresses me more than sitting here wistfully thinking about Kelvin Sampson after an IU loss, but you know, losses like this pile up, you wonder what might've been.
3: Well, you know, that's, everybody in the chat's like, don't do it. Don't do it. We're here. Let's just, you know, indulge, let's just Calvin get it all Samson, out right now. <laughs> Calvin Sampson is a great coach. He was a great coach at Oklahoma. He was a great coach at Indiana from X's and O's. I mean, yes, the guy yes, can, yes. The guy can coach the game of basketball. Yes. Some of the characters that he brought in, not mm-hmm. Indiana, right? Uh, yep. the, the not following rules, not Indiana. So I always throw it back to all my, you know, Who are we? We are. We want Indiana guys. We don't want recruiting violations. You know, and and we want kids to go to class, and then we want to win national championships. I think that's harder and harder to do all that, and I'm not asking for being immoral towards winning, but sometimes, I mean, (laughs) could you imagine if Samson was in his 20th year now or something and and doing what he's doing at Houston, uh, how happy we'd be? The dude can coach. God, I've seen him at clinics. Uh, I, I was so excited when he came to IU, and then just so, just when the phone call stuff started, hit. I I bought one of them blue shirts with the red tie. I was <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in, Jared. Every time there's you, you can hire Homer Simpson to coach IU, and I think it'd be a great hire until uh, you know three, four, five years down the road, and uh, I, I'm just all man, right. I'm too,
0: we gotta, we gotta stop. Who knows what topic we'll go to next if we keep going here? We gotta stop, and then we need Indiana you know to win. Anything about again. breaks? I don't. You need to fix your breaks?
3: Start crunching. When Ooh. they start crunching, do you need new ones?
0: I think so. I okay. think so.
3: It's a good topic to end on.
0: <sighs> Great topic to end on. Okay, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for being here on this marathon episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show, live public therapy in front of everybody as we That's talk right. out our deep psychological basketball issues that we're clearly working through. <laughs>
3: hey, we doing a show Thursday night?
0: <laughs> yes, Assembly Call Radio. We can we can take stock of all this and maybe get some more expansive commentary from uh, from Ryan and Andy. So, <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll talk to you guys Thursday night. Thanks for being here.
3: See you.
4: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery the Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Woo. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player find. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Whew! Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player 5.